Good morning. Cool in the gang has entered our worship space. 1972 or sooner? Earlier than that. I don't know what year that came out to celebrate. I don't know. We'll have to do some research. I don't know. Good morning, church. It is good to be uh, with you. Grace and peace uh, be with your spirit as we continue on in worship this morning. Uh, indeed, it's good to come together every seven days or so. So we'll be, we'll be here Sunday next week. Come on back. Chris, you going to come back? Come on back down? Yeah, okay, great. Uh, so uh, let's start here this morning. Uh, so last uh, weekend, we had the gift of joining with our brothers and sisters from Zion Baptist Church in Peoria, and we took a journey to Memphis, and we went to the National Civil Rights Museum, and uh, just had a great, great trip, um, diving in deeper relationally with, with a lot of folks in Zion, and then uh, just taking in the, the content of the, um, of the museum. Uh, we most, most read the book, uh, Where Do We Go From Here, by Martin Luther King, and we ask that question even today, where do we go from here? As it, re- as it relates to race uh, in America, and what, is it, what could be, ought to be, the church's response to that. So uh, there'll be further sharing about this trip with pictures and in person, uh, specifically when Zion Baptist comes to worship here um, on August 28th. So in three weeks from now, um, the, the church will be with us, and there'll be some more sharing. Though this week we have an article from Sheila Graber, Every, Wave your hand, Sheila. If you haven't met Sheila yet, she's right over there. Uh, she was on the trip, and she wrote uh, a, a little bit, um, a reflection on her uh, experience uh, down south. So just wanted to bring that forth. And uh, as we move into the sermon now, uh, most likely you are uh, familiar that, hey, we're doing this series called Seeking God Together. We've been doing it all summer, and we've had some central themes of seeking God together through prayer, uh, through our bodies marveling, giving thanks, crying out, walk, uh, walking together, which is Ruth and Naomi, and then confessing, which we gave to Sarah last week. The hardest one of the, <laughs> just give it to Sarah. So Sarah did that one, uh, we were, and we're thankful for her. <laughs> and today, as you already know, we are into seeking God together through celebration, celebrating and I got to thinking about celebrating uh, as a practice and as an invitation that God gives us regarding not only life, but celebrating God's self as well. And wondering, what are the ways that I, or what are the ways that you, we celebrate? And what is it that we often celebrate? I'm going to give you a list. These are rather obvious. We celebrate birthdays, right? We celebrate anniversaries. We celebrate uh, anniversaries related to marriage or to work work anniversaries, we celebrate retirements, graduations, we celebrate one's life in a memorial service, we celebrate baptisms, and we celebrate baby dedications, we celebrate when our kids do well in school academically, and we celebrate when they perform well in the arts or on the athletics field. We celebrate when one's journey through physical challenges comes to a a, a, a uh, completion, whether it be sickness or cancer, etc. We celebrate big achievements. We have award shows for those, right? Uh, we celebrate the announcements of, like, maybe new life or new pregnancy, like, for instance, here. Here's some celebrations. 
Celebrate. Some people are happy, some people are not, right? So we celebrate that. Or we celebrate becoming a great-great-grandmother. What do you ultrasound? It's an ultrasound. When do you get an ultrasound? When do you get an ultrasound? Are you? That's our baby. Oh, you don't. <laughs> I can't believe it. Congratulations. Thank you. You're going to be a great, great grandma again. When, honey? February 22nd. Right by the Second of 15th. <laughs> <laughs> I think that may be her birthday. I'm not sure. Uh, you doll. I love it. When, honey? This is so good. Uh, we celebrate when our sports teams win the big game. Or if you're on that sports team, you might celebrate this way. Throws for the end zone. Catch made. Jerron Brown, a Seahawks touchdown. Wilson was never able to see it as they celebrate Seattle style. What, what, a, what a tremendous. Or perhaps celebrating in this way when you see steps away, fires on the run, and it is caught. Unbelievable. It's like glue on his hands from Thielen. Do you, do you feel and sense and experience joy, right? There's a scoring of a touchdown. They've gone 100 yards uh, if they started on the one or whatever. But, yeah, they, uh, and there's a joy. There is a celebration. There is a love for the game. There is a, do you see, a childlike way of being when they are celebrating, okay? Um, I tried to find some Bears clips, but I couldn't find any. So that's okay. But, uh, you know, <laughs> Phyllis. I love you, Phyllis. Um, but we celebrate in all kinds of ways, don't we? We celebrate in all kinds of ways. Question. Do we call what we do on Sunday mornings, this gathering, a celebration? Do we call this a celebration? Uh, now, we might have a focus of celebration Christmas Eve. We're celebrating the birth of our Savior. And we might have celebration on our mind when it comes to Easter. Not yet. Go back. Uh, uh, Rhonda, thanks. We, we might think of Easter. That's a celebration. Chocolate bunnies make an appearance. Those things called peeps, whatever those things are. The gathering of family. We have celebration around Easter, don't we? Celebration, right? But perhaps I ask the question, maybe... Why not every Sunday? Why not? Well, to be honest, for me, um, I don't enter church thinking celebration. I don't enter church thinking party. I don't enter church often thinking fiesta, jamboree, or gala. I have other thoughts when I enter the church building or getting ready to go to church. What, what do I think? Well, for me as a pastor, I hope people show up. That's one thing that's on my mind. I hope people show up. I hope that our time together is meaningful for those gathered, whether in person or online. I hope that our visitors feel welcomed and seen. I hope that the sermon makes sense. I hope that everything will be ready to go. I hope for a lot of things. 
So often for me, as I prepare, as I come to the building for a gathered Sunday worship, celebration is not my primary focus. Uh, perhaps for you, as you prepare, as you arrive to, to Sunday worship, um, maybe, maybe celebration is getting the kids' shoes all matched up and here on time, right? You might be thinking about that rather than, hey, we're going to go celebrate the Lord. This is a very real thing. So rather than celebration, truth be told, some other thoughts can come to our mind. Is it Sunday again? Uh, well, I'd better make an appearance at church. Can't I just sleep in today? I've had a long and very difficult week. Uh, I coughed twice yesterday. I might have COVID, so I'm going to stay home and lay low. I'd rather go fishing. I have a to-do list this long, and if I got a start in the morning rather than at 1 o'clock today, that would go well. I have house projects. Yet our time together is indeed an invitation to celebration. And this celebration um, is to be in the form of what we call worship. As many of you know, I grew up in the Catholic tradition, first 18 years of my life. And one of the phrases that I often heard regarding the gathering of church, the gathering of the people, was what they literally called the celebration of the Mass or celebration of the Eucharist. This fancy word Eucharist in Greek translated as Thanksgiving. So you could say the celebration of Thanksgiving. Celebration of Thanksgiving. Christ lived, Christ died, Christ rose from the dead, Christ will come again. Thanksgiving and celebration as the Paschal mystery is celebrated. Now, as a young kid, I attended many, many, many masses, even on vacation, because we were devout. Celebration is not a word that I would use to describe that experience as a young kid as a young kid. Now, as gray has entered my beard, I can now look back into the liturgy of the Mass with great fondness, and I see great beauty in the celebration of Mass and the celebration of Eucharist. From Catholics to our Jewish friends, <laughs> Rabbi Abraham Joseph, uh, Joshua Heschel, Rabbi Heschel says it this way, he said this in, sometime in the 1960s. And I believe his words are still true today. People of our time are losing the power of celebration. Instead of celebrating, uh, we seek to be amused or entertained. Celebration is an active state, an act of expressing reverence and appreciation. To be entertained is a passive state. It's to receive pleasure afforded by an amusing act or a spectacle. Celebration, though, is a confrontation. Confrontation, giving attention to the transcendent meaning of one's actions. This is Rabbi Heschel. There are mornings when Jan Stewart has led us, uh, helped lead us in, in music, and she has read the following. We have gathered in the name of Jesus Christ. We have gathered in the house to worship God. We have come to confess that Jesus is Lord, and we are not here to be entertained. And we are here to uh, encounter the sacred. We are not consumers. We are worshipers. We praise and adore the living God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
Now, it's not a sin to laugh in church, to look at a video or two that has something to do with celebrating. But we aren't here for amusement. We aren't here for entertainment. For those are passive states, consumer mentality. We we are invited uh, rather to worship, and we are invited rather to celebrate. And celebrate, celebration is participatory. It's an active state. Celebration is a confrontation, however, and this is an interesting idea as we unpack Psalm 150. This psalm has particular meaning for me, for it was the name of the youth band at Woodcrest Chapel in Columbia, Missouri, where I served as a youth pastor. Their their name was P-150, for Psalm 150. Uh, This brings me back. Uh, It was uh, back into my third and fourth years of ministry, third and fourth years of following Jesus. That is Nick Skillet Davis in the green shirt, and he is doing well. This is back in 2003, I think it was, or two. Yeah, around there, so Psalm 150. So it's always had this special meaning to me, right, because I knew these kids. So on to Psalm 150. This psalm is the last psalm of the book. If you remember back to your last July 4th uh, firework celebration that you attended, you know that the firework display is usually 20 to 25 minutes, sometimes 30 if you're from Eureka. And at the end of the firework display is what they call the grand finale. The grand finale where you see a cascading shower of fireworks complete with rapid-fire booms and bursts and blooms in swift succession. In the same way, Psalm 150 serves the same purpose, for it ends the book of Psalms, and it is indeed a grand finale. It's important to note that in the original Hebrew phrase, hallelujah, two different words, hallelujah, is in the imperative mood. Well, imperative mood, what does that mean? The imperative mood is, is, that is to say that it is a command, that it is a requirement of action to be performed, and it's normally found in the present tense. So then when we read the psalm today, it is praise Yahweh as a command. Go brush your teeth. Go make your bed. It is a command. Okay? Uh, this gives back, uh, this gets back to the celebration as confrontation. It's the giving intention to the transcendent. It's giving intention to the transcendent. The structure of this short psalm, verse 1 through 5, we receive a rapid fire string of booms, bursts, and blooms with 11 imperative commands. And it isn't until verse 6 where we are told who is receiving these commands. And surprise, surprise, it's everything. And everyone. Everything that has breath. All creatures and all of creation. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Say it again. Praise the Lord. This thought of breath brings me to the brings me to the Garden of Eden, where God breathed into Adam's nostrils in the beginning, and God has then done the same for us. That is, he has given us life. All things breathing, 
which includes you, which includes me, this morning, has give, God has given us life. And according to Psalm 150, as John read uh, a bit ago, the first thing you should do with that breath is to exhale it back to God in praise and celebration. This Psalm 150 is in the Revised Common Lectionary for when in the church calendar. Well, it's always the second Sunday in the Eastertide season. Well, now why would it be there? Well, Christ rose from the grave, conquered death. What shall we do now? Praise and to celebrate that accomplishment. Right? This repeated word of hallelujah throughout the text, you can hear it. You can hear it, hallelujah. Candles. Uh, yep, let's go back. I'm going to explain. So this chorus, this hallelujah chorus, sometimes called the Messiah, uh, this, this hallelujah is not just found in Psalm 150. It is indeed found throughout all of the book. And one of the things I noticed about this song is that it's hallelujah. It's, it's a continued, repeated uh, chorus. Yet right before the last one, there's a pause. Uh, there's a sacred pause. It's, it's subtle, but we'll, we'll see it here in a second. Go ahead. Psalm 1 through 149, short pause, final, hallelujah. So we see this word throughout the Psalms, like I said. And yet in reading, when you read the entirety of the Psalms, we see it as a magnificent collection of poetic expression of Israel's experience with their covenant God. So perhaps the only fitting conclusion is indeed hallelujah. It's a celebration, and it's an imperative, imperative to cry out, to sing, and to shout, hallelujah. Now, someone say hallelujah. Now, someone say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. All right. As a popular song of praise that we sang a few weeks back, there are 10,000... There are 10,000 reasons to celebrate and to honor God. Psalm 150 is bidding us to do just that. No matter what happens to be true in your life. Because we know from Israel's journey with their covenant God, we can know from our own life's journey with God that it isn't always sunshine and rainbows, is it? And maybe we just don't feel like singing hallelujah. Psalm 1 through 149, we trace the long and difficult journey um, and even read many psalms and songs of lament. The psalms are filled with lament. Likewise, our lives can be as well. We experience desolation. We experience doubt. We experience questioning and darkness. 
So we can know in faith and thank God that lament, sadness, tears, and struggle is not and will not be the last word. Psalm 150 calls us to anticipate the last word of celebration and worship. Psalm 150 indeed pulls us through and pulls us forward to celebration and praise. The great theologian Walter Brueggemann frames the entire Psalter as orientation, disorientation, and then reorientation. There are psalms that express a fundamental orientation of God's people, things like faith, obedience, Torah, God's promises, getting things straight, building the structure of our understanding of God, orientation. Yet there are psalms that capture those times when we experience disorientation in our lives. Deep desolation. Where simple disobedience, or, or, or sorry, where simple obedience doesn't seem to work anymore. Promises go unfulfilled, and we deeply question if it's all true or not. Yet, there are also psalms of reorientation. Where it seems that things come back together. We experience perhaps something new. Even more mature. Even more nuanced. Regarding God and faith. Does anyone know that journey? Raise your hand up there. Okay, thank you. Um, so against the backdrop of lament and suffering and sin, Psalm 150 calls us to a deep faith that can praise and celebrate the goodness and faithful faithfulness of the Lord in every circumstance. Aren't you glad that Psalm 150 isn't a psalm of disorientation? And then it just ends. Well, good luck. Right? No. It's, it ends with a reorientation. John Calvin said it this way, the world is a theater of God's glory. If true, then this makes us actors in the drama of life. The actors, God's creation that is us, really have one major important role, one major line, one line um, that closes not only Psalm 150, but the entire book of Psalms. We have one line, and it echoes through time and space, down to the generations, as far as the universe can go. And that one line is praise the Lord. And sometimes in celebration we cry <laughs> because it's just so beautiful. Amen? All right. Someone say hallelujah. All right. Amen.